Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. against Caruso on the drive pull up jumper it's good Tobias Harris sinks it with 2.4 remaining good morning everybody and welcome to the Daily Ding happy Thursday morning we've got uh, the majority of your action from a 13 game Wednesday night Andrew Schlecht uh, it feels like there's I don't know 85 13 game nights so far this season this is too much it's a lot, and there were a lot of good games tonight too. I felt like I I couldn't take it all in, but yeah, we I think I think we got the games that matter. Yeah, it, it's pretty tough. Uh, I'm of course Dave Dufour. That's Andrew Schlecht, who is pulling double duty as co-host and also producing the episode. Uh, before we get started, guys, look, you know the you know the drill. Go to theathletic.com/slash/dailyding. It's three ninety nine a month. You get the pods ad free. We're even taking these ads out of the pods now, or at least this pod. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Pods ad free. Fantastic writing from people like one of our guests today. Actually, I guess we only have one guest, Andrew. We're slipping. It's, it's we had, okay. No, we no, had no. three last if, week. If we're, well, I know, but if we're going to have one guest, it's got to be rich. That's fair. Coming up on today's show, we got a few wild finishes around the NBA and uh, starting to get a little worried about... Uh, about a couple of teams and, and some players. Uh, but first, the Sixers somehow managed to hold on and win against the Lakers. And we got Rich Hoffman, beat writer for the Philadelphia 76ers, for The Athletic, here to join us. Rich, uh, man, the Sixers really tried to make your job tough tonight. They had a big lead. They tried to blow it. And somehow Tobias Harris managed to accidentally hit a game winner. Yeah, Dave, it was... Uh... It was a major collapse. I think 13 nothing run in the last three minutes of that game. And, you know, that has happened a decent amount with the Embiid Simmons Sixers. I was making the joke, like, I'm just happy for Brett Brown that he's not the coach anymore and he just won't get right. murdered after that game. But, yeah, you know, I think it just comes down to, like, sometimes you need your dude to bail you out. And that is what Tobias Harris did the entire game. Tobias Harris has been super consistent this year. I mean, I think there's a stat. He has scored in between 16 and 25 points since the first game, I believe, this year. I don't know what he finished with tonight. But he was the right guy to run that play. And, yeah, a little tough shot over over Crusoe, but he, he got to his spot and knocked it down. And, yeah, the Sixers, they had their collapse, their learning lesson, but they're lucky enough to still have a win, too. Yeah, how much credit are we giving Doc Rivers for this Tobias Harris stuff? So that's interesting because before the year, a lot was made of Doc being the Tobias Whisper because he had a couple of really, I mean, his best season, which was split over two seasons, but whatever, half at the end of one season, a couple trades were with Doc Rivers. But, you know, I, I looked at the stats before the year and it just looked like he was making threes a little more. I, I didn't really see a ton different. I mean, he had run a few more pick and rolls in Los Angeles. He's not really running that many pick and rolls here. He, there's a couple of things that I think are going on. Number one, 
he's making quicker decisions than he did in past years. Like I, I've seen it in rewatching some of the Sixers games. Like Tobias will make these transition three pointers where he's basically spreading the floor and firing these threes that he would not have fired last year. And he's making them. And you can see doc who pulls off his mask every five seconds, like saying to one of his assistant coaches, quick decision. Like that. I like that. It was a quick decision. So that's yeah. part of it. And the other part is that I think he's just shooting an insane percentage from the field and that's going to drop at some point, but he's uh he's been great. And, you know, I guess Andrew to, to put it that way, like, at this point, like if Tobias keeps shooting even half as good as this, you know, if there's a happy medium between what he did this year and last year, I'll give Doc the credit. I, I mean, this is pretty insane right now. You know, one of the things that that I think got overlooked when they added the shooting that they added with Curry and and Danny Green and being able to, you know, Cork Maz gets to come off the bench now, which is more suited to his skill set. A lot of people overlooked how much that spacing would help. Tobias Harris, because now he's not the only guy who is who is spacing the floor. So he's able to take advantage. And you mentioned the quicker decision making. He can put it on the floor like uh, he can attack a closeout. And those opportunities weren't there because teams were able to just pack the paint. And so he was running into traffic. And so I'm not surprised he's shooting the lights out right now because, you know, it probably looks like an ocean, you know, instead of a basketball hoop compared to what he's seen the last couple of years. You're seeing it, too, when Embiid posts up, you know, in. Last year, it was Horford and Richardson, who are both very good players. I'm not here to uh, to talk poorly on them, but they were bad fits in Philadelphia because they are not quick decision makers. And you have Curry and Green and Harris, like those guys, and Bede will get the double. He'll pass to one of them, and they'll just keep it moving and keep driving and kicking until one of them gets a shot. Yeah, you can see that Harris is a lot more comfortable doing that. I, I looked at his like tracking de- data. He, he is... Uh, the, the seconds per touch is being dropped a little bit. So he is making quicker decisions. And, you know, he had a game the night where, you know, you, you play against the Lakers, best defensive team in the league, and he looked very comfortable out there. You know, he's not going to get to the line all that much, but in terms of getting to his spots in the mid range and uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's playing with a ton of confidence right now. Well, let's talk about Embiid because Embiid had a huge game, um, you know, 13 trips to the free throw line, always good for Embiid. You know, the more trips he's making there, uh, finished up with 28 points. Didn't really rebound all that well. Um, didn't really need to <laughs> until until end of the game, you know, um, and, and just wasn't as aggressive on the boards as I, as I think that everybody would like. Um, luckily, you have Ben Simmons there, but they have struggled without Embiid. They're 0-4 without him this season. He takes a hard fall on, you know, a typical basketball play. There was nothing to to my eye. There was nothing dirty about anything LeBron did. He had a seven foot, three hundred pound guy jumping in the air toward him, and he protected his body. Like he he didn't he didn't shove. It was a, it was a bad fall, and it looked bad. Um, but to to see him get up and walk and to be able to play. I mean, I know that you you're not you're not a part of the team, but you're there all the time. Like, do you ever think? Every single time he gets up, that is such a huge relief, not just for the team, but for you, because they get a lot less interesting when he's not available to play. They they are so brutal when he doesn't play. I mean, that's been the case for pretty much his entire career. Last year was a little bit better because they did have Horford. But man, they are so bad this year and they were bad in this game when they didn't have them. You know, Dwight Howard is not playing that well right now. Ben Simmons is not really corralling those backup minutes and, and playing all that well. And yeah, I mean... The, the amount of times I have seen him fall since 2016, it's a lot. 
he falls down a ton. He fell eight times or something in this game. I mean, it's just yeah, and and that's the thing with him. You know, he draws all these fouls and he does a really good job, you know, throwing his body into, you know, he even got Casal a couple times, which is like his kryptonite too, which was good to see at the start of the game. But to answer your question, yes, all, all the time I, I am just like, oh, please, just please don't be hurt. Like, I'm not like, I've gotten to the point where, all right, I'm a journalist, like I'm not rooting for the team, but like, I don't want to see you hurt. Like, there's so much more fun to watch when you play. So Rich, how do we feel about this matchup in general? I mean, the Sixers have some guys to throw at LeBron. I mean, you got Ben Simmons, you have Danny Green, you have Matisse Thybul. Uh, you've got big bodies to throw at these guys. Like, how do we feel about this matchup overall? If this if this is a possible preview to the NBA Finals, how do you feel about this? I still think the Lakers are, are a better team. I, I mean, they they've been there. They're, I mean, gosh, they had a couple of defensive possessions and I know they do this a lot, but they have a couple possessions where they're just stifling and they're, mm -hmm. you know, it's usually Anthony Davis is the one rotating to and doubling and, you know, yeah. it kind of reminded me a little bit of what they did to Harden and the Rockets in the playoffs last year. And that's kind of the question with the Sixers. Are they going to be able to execute in the half court? I'm not sure. I, you know, that's part of the reason that People wonder if they should go after Harden or Beal or, or something like that. But, you know, for where the Sixers are right now, like they, they did a nice job tonight and um, I think they can feel pretty good. But yeah, like how do I feel um, moving forward? I, I think the Lakers are better for sure. Well, the Lakers are yeah. better than everybody, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so like to, to beat them is is a good thing. It's a good sign. I, I will say like. You got to see down the stretch there that 13-0 run. That's what happens when the Lakers are going all out. Yeah. Yeah. I have not really seen them do that all year. And so when they do it, especially as, against a team as good as Philadelphia, you start to realize, all right, this season might be a wrap. I do think Philly <laughs> – yeah. it's true, man. But I was I, thinking I, that too. I do think Philly at least stands a better chance because they do have Embiid, because they do have Simmons, they do have Tobias Harris. Like they have the bodies – to match up to a certain degree, I, I think it's likely still, you know, Lakers in five, maybe six. Yeah. But this was a nice little preview, uh, you know, if everything's going right for the Sixers of what can happen. And then also what it looks like when everything starts to go wrong, Rich. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny. You know, they, they get away with the win and choking the game away completely. But at the end of the day, it's like you don't apologize for beating the Lakers. No. And, you know, right. undefeated team. <laughs> On the road, it's uh, yeah, they're they're gonna be really tough to beat. They just, I mean, the, the size that they have on the defensive end, and I think that's how the Sixers would have to play against them, like kind of a rock fight. Lakers aren't gonna be able to shoot the ball from three that well. That's how they can compete. You know, I thought the Sixers probably got a little lucky the first three quarters. You know, you had guys like Kuzma and Caruso. They, they were missing open threes that I, frankly, KCP that they've been making. For, for most of this year. But yeah, it, it almost is like a, a badge of honor that the Sixers got the Lakers to try a little bit. So I guess they can feel good about that. Uh, before we finish talking about this game, I, I do want to mention Ben Simmons. He, he had a 17-point triple-double. Who cares about the triple-double? Uh, what I did like about Ben Simmons was how aggressive he came out early in this game. I like that it seemed as if he was making a point to create contact going to the basket. I mean, is this... You know, we, we see him go back and forth, right? And, and it's passive or it's aggressive. And it's never the the middle ground that, I, for some reason, I feel like he has trouble staying in, especially when Embiid is out there. Like, am I just 
you know, coming in with a 50,000 foot view uh, on Simmons and, and feeling this way. Cause I don't watch every single Sixers game. I just can't physically. Uh, but it does seem I, I get one of the two. I get passive or I get aggressive. And tonight, like, I love the way he started in this game. I did not did not really like how he finished, but I loved how he started. Yeah, I mean, he's at his best when he's putting pressure on the rim. And, you know, I, I think one of the best parts of his game is being able to get into the paint and drive and kick. But but sometimes, Dave, like, he'll take, like, one or two dribbles and he won't really be putting pressure on the rim. And, yeah, like you said, he'll be passive. He'll kind of be shirking his offensive responsibility in some ways. And yeah, I thought like early on in this game, he was playing a hundred miles an hour, pushing the ball in transition. And yeah, there's, you know, obviously when they get into the half court, it's Embiid show and that's not the way he wants to play. And I guess my question for him moving forward is, okay, wh- what do you do in the half court? Like h- how can you affect the game? And I mean, like he plays really hard, you know, he has these duck-ins from the weak side. He's a, he's a very good offensive rebounder when he gets the chance, but you know, there are nights when the Sixers are going to want more. And, you know, I-, I don't think like their struggles in the last three minutes of this game were all on Ben, but you could probably point to, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, are you really affecting the game the way you should be? But, you know, in, in a way that's, that's a good thing. Like that doc will show them that. Even with their spacing, there's still too many times where I feel like Ben Simmons is trying to occupy the space that Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid are occupying. And it's like he's freelancing in the half court, I, I think, you know, on a, on a few possessions. And he and Tobias have the same instinct, but Tobias's ability to actually have some touch on the basketball, like, you know, the little 10-foot jump shot that he hit over Caruso. Like, I just don't trust Simmons to do those things. And so with Simmons, I almost feel like you got to like – either he's got to be in the dunker or he's got to be setting screens or, or coming off DHOs. He's got to be moving uh, unless he's in that dunker spot just because he's such a non-threat shooting the basketball in the half court. You can't trust him even to, to drive and make a layup in any kind of traffic because – the touch at the basket just isn't there. It's a different situation than Giannis as a non-shooter because Giannis has really good touch and still attacks the basket aggressively, even though he sucks at free throws. And Simmons, I mean, he shot two free throws in this game. I mean, he's been better this year uh, overall at, at getting to the free throw line, you know, despite a, a lower usage. But I, I think that he's got to find a way to tap into that inner Giannis in the half court where where he does just try to get ahead of steam, get downhill, and get to the free throw line, if nothing else. And maybe those dump-offs are there. But until he can figure that out, I do think that there is a certain degree of artificial ceiling on this team's oh, yeah. on the offensive end. And, you know, I can only imagine with Bradley Beal, and we'll talk about him in a, in a few minutes because he just lost his 10th straight game that he scored 40 points in. I think the Bradley Beal trade chatter is, is probably going to pick up. I don't expect a trade to happen during the season, but it, it feels like when you have a team in Philadelphia that is looking to get a game-changing player, I mean, we know they were in on James Harden. We know Ben Simmons was potentially included in that deal. I wonder if they don't start going to the Wizards soon and saying, hey, look, you know that deal we were shopping for Harden? Maybe you'd be interested in this and we'd try to work something out. It's it's a logical deal. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like He needs to get to the free throw line more. And, and part of me wonders if... 
you know, over the years, a lot of it's mental with him. Like, I think, you know, he's a sub 70% free throw shooter, but, you know, he shoots mid 60s. He gets a little bit better every year. I wish he just got it in his head like, hey, man, like if you look at the points per possession on that, that's like, you know, 1.2 right. points per possession. You get to set mm-hmm. your defense like we'll, we'll live with that, you know, and and maybe you'll get better at it if you keep, keep shooting more. Um, it's the it's the frustration with Ben Simmons. He's. From night to night, he can be a completely different player. Um, and that's just what six have to live with. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Like with Embiid playing at this level, and like you mentioned earlier, like his back and all of those falls, there's always the wonder of like, all right, how long is this going to last for? They they have to I'm not saying they have to be all in right now, but that is a consideration of like, all right, like you have this guy playing at an MVP level. You don't want to waste his prime and not to say Ben Simmons is wasting and beats prime, but you want to maximize the value around him. Fit will matter. So yeah, I, that's, that's logical. And I've been team don't trade Ben Simmons this whole time. And I, I still think I'm there because I just, you know, such a hard guy to get rid of. I mean, he's, he's one of a handful of best defenders in the league. He's a force in transition. He's cool as hell to watch. Like he's just a fun player. And, and you know, the big knock is just that shooting and the, it's not even that he can't shoot is that he won't shoot. Right. That's the biggest problem. Andre Robertson. The issue wasn't that he was just an awful shooter is that he was a reluctant shooter. And Ben Simmons being a, not even a reluctant shooter. I don't even like, like a scared shooter. Yeah. I, I just, scared, yeah. yeah. And that, that hurts him more than anything. But anyway, we're rehashing. Andre, Andre was, Andre was definitely a bad and reluctant shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the worst, right? Yeah. He was bad. Yeah. <laughs> he was both. Only thing worse than a guy <laughs> shooting like 14% on four attempts a game is a guy shooting 100% on one. That's another guy yeah. you don't have to guard. Yeah, no, it's exactly. true. The the one thing I will say, the last thing on this, Dave, his defense is, you know, and, and I'm pretty hard on his offense. His defense, when he gets it turned up, is almost unlike anybody in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He had a game against Detroit this weekend where he was being mean to Jeremy Grant, like yep. sliding his feet, and making him cross over three times to go four feet. It was it was insane. And he did it a little bit against Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. So that's yeah, that's the the promise and the the problem with him. He can play any position defensively. He can guard anyone. He can be the helper. He's fantastic at the nail. He's a good rim protector. He is everything you want in a defensive player. He is not everything you want in a whatever position he is offensively. Because he's a big offensively. He's big. He's a big offensively, but he doesn't really play that way. Anyway, we're rehashing some kind of old stuff. You want to hang out and play a game with us? Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we have a message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get back to the game. Okay. So we're at this point, we're, what, a quarter of the way through the season, roughly? Um, time to get a little worried, I think, uh, about a few teams uh, and, and and some players. Um, I, I want to start because I brought this up on Tuesday morning's Daily Ding, um, I'm worried about the Miami Heat, and I know that they've had health issues and things like that, and I'm not worried about them at full health or what kind of team they can be, but I do think it is starting to get late for them as they're pushing for you know a top five or six seed. I don't think that this is a team that is going to want to be in the play-in games, considering how fragile their team has been so far. Rich, I'm going to start with you. Are you worried at all about the Miami Heat? The the only reason I'm not completely worried about them is the Bam Adebayo becoming 
even more ridiculous than he already is. And, you know, his willingness to shoot like from the mid range. I just remember, you know, I look at everything through the Sixers lens, you know, Joel Embiid just kind of daring him to, to take that shot. He, you know, his game in Brooklyn the other night was, you know, and again, Brooklyn, not a great defensive team. Uh, he is playing at a high level, but I, I am a little bit worried. I, you know, hopefully Jimmy gets back. He's, he's been out for, what do you think? Like half of these games almost. Oh yeah. Know, and, I think he's only played in six or something. Yeah. And that that's <laughs> yeah. a, a big part of it. And I also had a little bit of a worry about them coming into the year, not to say that they weren't awesome in the bubble, but you know, that bubble environment, not, not to say it was completely fluky, but it, it did seem like that was perfectly tailored to Miami and their, their tough mentality and everything. So yeah, I, I am a little bit worried about them, Dave. Um, but, but more so in like, they might have a tough first round matchup. And, right. You know, the East has a lot of these teams where like they, they, they might be in the Sixers spot from last year where, okay, they're going to have to play three really good teams to get to the finals. And that's hard. Well, and, and the other thing is, you know, they've got some problems that are more than just injury related. Um, Duncan Robinson is shooting an absolute truckload of contested shots. I mean, there's just no space to breathe for him out there. And, you know, if Goron's not lighting the world on fire and Jimmy Butler isn't, you know, if he's not out there, if Tyler Hero is not out there, which he hasn't been. I mean, what is this team like? How is this team going to score? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, we saw Bam Adebayo put up 41, um, but he can't do that every game. Like he can't be a 35 point a game scorer for this team. I don't think I don't think he's there yet. Uh, and they're not getting much production from their shooters. I think that their offense just isn't really opening up the shots. They hit some crazy stuff in the in the bubble, and there were, the the shot making in the bubble was unprecedented in NBA history. And I wonder if we've all been fooled by some of this incredible shot shot making, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, this this team is just suffering from. I mean, this this is going to be the sacrificial lamb season anyways, right? Like, that's the way this is going to yeah. be. And with that, you're going to have some teams that are really going to suffer. And the Miami Heat happen to be one of those teams. I mean, they're starting Casey Apollo. I mean, that's, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem for the Miami Heat. And yeah, you're not going to have any space for guys like Duncan Robinson uh, when you're playing that way. I mean, they scored 82 points against the Nuggets tonight. Well, the Nuggets yeah, are a defensive sh- powerhouse, as we all know. <laughs> right. Their calling card is defense. So, I mean, and they've you know there's some bright spots there. Like Precious Achua has been like a, a nice rookie for them, and Adebayo really is a star. I mean, you watch him play, and you're like, he's he undoubtedly is. that that is an NBA star. But without Jimmy and the complimentary players, it's just. It just doesn't work. And it's not supposed to work. This wasn't the plan. Right. Like, this isn't the plan. Like, this isn't the Miami Heat. And I'm with you that I, I'm i not worried about them at full strength. But, yeah, I'm worried about them for this season. Right. Just because there's so much variability within this season. It's going to get early. It's going to get late early. Because yeah, of, they're six and eleven, and and you're they're, and you're going to be constantly scuffling, trying to trying to claw back. And again, the. You know, the health and safety protocols, it catches people who aren't even COVID positive. So you could just randomly have a guy miss a week uh, yep. or longer. And, and I just think that with that sort of uncertainty, you know, I, I thought getting out to a hot start was just very important for just about every team that was that was really hoping to have themselves ready for the playoffs. And this is why the Lakers coasting to the record they've got has been really incredible because, you know, 
they're not stressing themselves at all. I think LeBron's playing the lowest number of minutes per game of his career, uh, which is pretty incredible when you consider they're the best team in basketball, even when he's coasting. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just worried for them that they are going to get a less than favorable matchup, you know, and even the Indiana Pacers this year would be a harder matchup for them than it was last year. Last year, a little bit of like good luck on their part, to be honest with you, getting, you know, getting the Pacers first, uh, they were probably going to beat the Bucks anyway, but Giannis hurts his ankle in that series. You know, um, I, I think that I'm a little bit worried about Miami's chances this year, but, but as you said, it's more about next year anyway. Okay. Moving on. Um, Bradley Beal. Okay. Are we worried about Bradley Beal? And and not so much worried about Bradley Beal as in he's not an amazing player because I think this guy is clearly uh, having a fantastic season and would be the best player on, you know, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 teams in the league as currently constructed. Uh, but are we worried about Bradley Beal just like quitting basketball because the Wizards are just depressing him? <laughs> They're three and eleven. Yes, I'm very worried about Bradley Beal. I'm worried that he is not going to demand the trade because I do think that he's happy in Washington. He is. Yeah, it seems like it. I think he likes having all the shots. I think that he likes being able to kind of grow with a fan base. But eventually, it's just. I mean, it obviously is not working. You have Russell Westbrook on your team. Like that was supposed to be the hope of this season, and Russell Westbrook has dunked the ball one time this whole season. It's not good. He's not playing well at all. And then what else do you have with the Wizards? I mean, Thomas Bryant went out with an injury. It is a brutal, brutal situation with the Washington Wizards. And Ted Leonsis has said that he's not going to tank. So you're not going to trade Bradley Beal for draft picks and like some young guy that's going to help bring your team down even further. Actually, how can you get even further? They have the worst record in the league. But he said he won't tank. So I do think the Ben Simmons trade makes sense because Ben Simmons is not a move to tank. Right. It actually, they actually could be decent with Ben Simmons. Uh, or at least you just are what you, you are. You are what you are. Maybe you've got a little bit better defense on the perimeter. You at least have a guy who can guard, you know. A little bit better defense. You have like defense, period. They could play, like right now they have none. Isaac Bonga and Ben Simmons would be pretty tough <laughs> defensively on the wing. I mean, Rich, look, uh, we, we already talked about this. Um, this is the 10th straight loss tonight where he's uh, – 10th straight 40-point game where the Wizards have lost for Bradley Beal. Uh, that feels depressing when you're putting out that sort of output. I mean, he, what did he score? Was it 62? Did he get 62 in that game? Against the Sixers, he got 60. 60, that's it. Uh, Curry had 62. Yeah, I mean, he had a 60-point game. And, you know, it gets blown on a late defensive miscue by Russell Westbrook. And Uh, I just, you know, I think about this stuff, and it's just, I I don't think he's going to ask for a trade. I really, I hope he doesn't. I hope they just get better. That's a better story. But, man, uh, are you worried about Bradley Beal? He looked so dejected in the one Twitter screenshot I saw of him on the bench. Like he's in the second row and he's just, I mean, he's really bummed in that, you know, the stat you mentioned earlier, 10 games, 40 plus points, all losses. I mean, that is, that's hard to do. And yeah, I mean, the Simmons point is a good one because I think for most like normal franchises that are willing to not even tank, just like step back for even one year for Bradley Peel, you get a lot of draft picks with the way, 
star players are are being moved now. I mean, you know, Drew Holiday, what was that? Three picks and and two swaps or, or whatever. Like Bradley Beal would at least get that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he is the rare star that wants to be in Washington. But, I mean, it's clearly not working. They don't have any defensive structure whatsoever. I, I think it, it might be pretty depressing to watch Westbrook at his level, you know, with the, with the ball in his hands all the time. Like you said, Andrew, not nearly as explosive as he used to be. Um, it'll be interesting. Like I, you know, he, he says that he likes being there, but, I, and he's had, I mean, it just feels like three, four years that are like this where he's putting up these insane numbers and he can't really do anything about it. Feels like they're torturing him. They brought in Alex Lynn on purpose. Alex Lynn is not a bad player. Alex Lynn's not a bad player and, and they needed a big, they did. I, I I'll okay. I'll defend Alex did, Lynn. I think Alex Lynn, uh, if he if he's drafted, you know, in the twenties, uh, people feel differently about him. Not a bad player. Did they bring him in for Pesechnis? Is he still on the team? Because that's not no, good. he's gone. Yeah, he's I think he's, no, gone. he's gone. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Last guy that I'm worried about, and maybe you guys differ. Uh, God, when was the last time Pascal Siakam had like a good two week stretch of basketball? Feel like it's, it's been. Since that two-week stretch of basketball that that got him to the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what he's shooting right now. From, it's the from worst two, of his Dave. career. It's the, he's, he's having the worst shooting season of, of his career. His turnover percentage uh, is high. His usage rate has dropped since last year. Turnovers went up. Um, I, I don't know if he's in his own head, uh, but shooting, um, you know, 51% on twos, on twos, yeah, he was Not making good. threes to start the year. Yeah, twenty five percent from three this year. Uh, more, lowest effective field goal percentage of his career, and it's not even really close. I mean, he's twenty percent, or excuse me, thirty uh, percent down from his rookie year. You know, I mean, just just a bad season for him overall, but a continuation of what we saw last year. I think, you know, starting around February and then obviously the hiatus and, and in the bubble. Um, now, Andrew, it's my opinion that he's kind of been miscast as a as a number one guy. Is it possible he's not even really a number two guy? I mean, I don't I don't know if that's fair, because I think you need to Certainly. see him with that number with that number one guy. Uh, depending on who the number one guy is. I mean, if it's Kawhi Leonard, obviously he's a great number two next to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that worked very well. But yeah, I think, I mean, he was taking 11 shots that season with Kawhi per game. And it was great. He was, he was very efficient. They were finding great shots for him. The offense worked very well. And then he's being asked to take like 16 shots a game, 18 shots a game. That's That's not for everyone. And to create a lot of them off the dribble. Right. And to have multiple ways to create off the dribble because everybody, the scouting reports out on him. The spin they move know the is spin out move. on him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got to figure he, out something like else to he do. He raised our expectations too much. You know, he wins most improved player. And then to yeah. begin last season, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's an all-star. Like, mm-hmm. is he just gonna keep getting better to the point where, you know, he's a top ten player consistently? And at some point, the scouting report got out on him and he hit the wall. And yeah, as a number one option, and it's tough because they, you know, they have Kyle Lowry, who is, you know, doing all of the the Kyle Lowry things that help win basketball games, but they need him to create in the half court. And he just has not been up to the task so far this year. Yeah. 
it's rough. I, you know, I really like, I, I like that Raptors team, the, the title winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly, that was one of the more fun title teams that I could think of just because everyone had counted them out for some reason. And, you know, they get Kawhi Leonard and it's this weird thing. And I hate to see him going outside. Although I do think that they're better than, than they've been showing us. Okay. Um, let's look around at the rest of the games for the night. Uh, the, the Nets and Hawks need to play in the playoffs, I think. I, I, we're at this point, right? Like, they've had now three, what I consider three pretty fun games to watch. Uh, this one went into overtime. Uh, just absolutely incredible, fun games that these guys keep having. There's not a lick of defense from either team. <laughs> no. But, uh, I mean, you're getting like 90 from KD, Harden, and and Kyrie and that's tough to stop and so I guess Rich, you know they they've been using James Harden to a certain degree as a closer and and tonight was no different. Um, that's kind of a game changer for him because we always talk about him kind of dying down the stretch, especially in the playoffs. Would he be the most effective closer in in basketball history if they did this where? It's Katie and Kyrie carrying the workload, and then you get a fresh James Harden for the fourth quarter. That feels like a good strategy for success for them. It's so different than what he did in Houston, where he was just carrying the offense in a way that really no other player in NBA history had been doing. And, and like you said, Dave, he did die eventually. Yeah, I mean, he's been... I mean, he just, he's such a complete offensive player, you know, like his passing is, is fantastic. And, you know, he's finding Durant in transition pretty consistently. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches. And if, as long as Kyrie and KD are, uh, are willing to, to seed the floor to him, which, you know, if they're winning basketball games, I imagine they probably will. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, Andrew, 89 points. That's what it is. I just did the math. 89 points from Durant, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, how hard is it going to be for them to get the other 40 they're going to need to win basketball games because they play no defense? <laughs> it's That's going to be rough for them is to just figure out a way to defend because down the stretch of that game, like you, James Harden's bringing the ball up the court and like, okay, I'm very worried about that. And then he passes to Kevin Durant. <laughs> and then Kyrie Irving is on the wing. Like, what do you do? As a defense, what do you do? You know, what's been amazing and, and, I, and, and infuriating is the number of contested shots that you watch Kevin Durant and Kyrie taking, even though this situation exists. I mean, and then they make them. Of course they make them. That's what these guys have done their whole career. That's what they do. I mean... James Harden took a step back three to try to win the game before it went into overtime. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even be mad about that. Like it was just like it's probably a stupid decision, but like who cares? These are the best shot makers in the game, all on one team. I mean, it's it's outrageous, and it's almost it's almost fitting that they don't play defense because obviously it wouldn't be fair if like this was a great defensive team as well. Like it just makes it like a really fun <laughs> team to watch. Well, they'd be forward. too too warriors esque if they played defense, and then everybody would just say that they're breaking right. the league, right? Like this right. is more like the Globetrotters are out there playing, and and I mean, with yeah. that being I said, I can see Jeff Green playing for the Globetrotters. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he might at this rate uh, yeah. with how many teams he's played for. Uh, man, the Cavs keep winning. They beat Detroit, and Detroit beat Philadelphia, who's you know the best team in the East. Does that make the Cleveland Cavaliers the best team 
in the league. They did beat the Lakers, Rich. I, I don't know. Uh, Cleveland might be a sleeping giant. Nine and nine now. Did, did Cleveland's assistant GM or whoever that was, was he was he talking trash to uh, Jeremy Grant or Sadiq <laughs> Bay or somebody in that one? I I can't believe how good Colin Sexton is right now. Yeah. I, I Maybe I was a little bit skeptical on him just because I looked at his passing numbers and was like, whoa, that's, you know, I, I need somebody who has the ball in his hands that much to create for others. He's just a gamer. I mean, what what an unbelievable like what he's averaging like 26, 27 points a game efficiently and I, I the other thing I don't get with Cleveland, how are they like a top 10 defense? You know, they're forcing all of these steals. I mean, I, I know Larry Nance is having a great year, but that uh I mean, that coaching staff probably deserves a lot of credit because Andre, I don't see that. They Andre tried. Drummond did not get defensive player of the year votes for nothing. Mitch <laughs> Hoffman <laughs> they just try so hard, and Okoro is a part of it too. Absolutely, Okoro plays a ton of minutes for them, and he is that dude on the defensive end is just a menace. Okoro has uh, me doubling down on buying stock in Florida State basketball. By the way, I, I just got to tell you um, because I'm seeing it, it, you know it's kind of like the Kentucky guys, and now Florida State kind of new to the scene as far as putting so many guys in the NBA. But when you watch mm-hmm. these guys come into the NBA, it's like they know how to play defense. And that's half the battle. Okoro, man, that guy might wind up being one of the best perimeter guards defensively in the league. He's I'm a huge fan. And he can really he can really pass it too. And if he can get his shot together, like he's gonna be a really, really nice player for a long time. Uh the Spurs beat the Celtics and the end of this game. I mean, listen, you want to talk about there are two guys that I think are are unfairly derided for for things that they they don't necessarily bring to the court. Ben Simmons being one of them. Ben Simmons is still a top 25, top 30 player if he never shoots a jump shot. DeMar DeRozan's the other. DeMar DeRozan, you know what he does, man? He He's top 10, top 15 in, in points responsible for every single year. He gets better at something every year. He's improved his playmaking. You know, starting in that last year in Toronto and since he's been with the Spurs, uh, he is a game winner tonight. And, and then DeJounte Murray ices the deal uh, with a steal, but but that happens because DeRozan can hit that superstar mid range shot. I, I you know DeRozan's on an expiring deal this year. I don't think anyone's going to trade for him, but I have a feeling that his market being depressed because of the discourse about DeRozan is actually going to help some team next year when he goes and you can pick up a guy who isn't going to be your second best player, but who could be your third best player and, and really elevate your ceiling. Yeah, they beat the Celtics tonight. He was 21, 5, and 7 on eight shots. Eight. You can't even knock him for not being efficient anymore. (laughs) Right. He was seven of eight from the field. That's what he did tonight. I mean, that's I mean, that's outrageous. I mean, that is that is absolutely outrageous. They and they played really well. And this is a good Celtics team, too. They have their trio back. Like they're all playing together for the first time this season. And to lose to the Spurs is is probably a little disheartening for Celtics fans because you did get a really good game from from Jalen Brown, who's who's been great this season. Ridiculous, uh, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, big win for the Spurs. Well, the only thing worse than losing to the Spurs, uh, I guess, would be losing to the Wizards. But worse, than, maybe worse than losing to the Spurs, but not as bad as the Wizards is losing to the Thunder. Who oh, beat boy. the Suns one hundred two to ninety seven? Look, Andrew, your your Oklahoma City Thunder are almost as good as the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're eight and nine. They're too good to tank. Yeah. 
Oh, this this shouldn't be happening. This is not this is not the plan. Yeah, they're they're playing outrageously good basketball right now. Uh, they're they're getting good production from their bench Al as far as like the defensive end goes. Al Horford, Rich. Hey, Al, Hor- he was, Al Horford I he was came washed. Back. Rich, he, he, twenty-one he and eleven. First game, he wasn't first washed. Game back he was just the playing the four. If he plays the five, he's still good. Yeah. He was he was very all right good over tonight. over and under five more draft picks traded into the into the stockpile for Oklahoma City <laughs> this year because George Hill Al Horford I mean I feel like they've got guys they're going to be able to move and get some more picks yeah they'll definitely trade George Hill sometime in the near future Horford I don't think is movable at this point I mean you kind of look around the league and the amount of money that he makes there's just not a lot of fits there I mean you could just slide him into the trade exception just for the Celtics I've been thinking that all year the Celtics they do have that (laughs) trade exception for 28 million hey he would help I don't know if that's exactly what they would want I'm sure that Danny Ainge will just say that they almost (laughs) did it after the season's over well he couldn't Um, give up Carson Edwards Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's been showing some stuff, you know, you got to keep yeah. him. So. All right. Yeah. And but- I'd be remiss if we did not talk about the hottest team in basketball right now. And, and you know, I'm not talking about the Phoenix Suns anymore because Kelly Oubre, of course, plays in Golden State. But the Jazz, they won their 10th straight. They beat the Mavericks 116-104. The game wasn't even really that close. And the Jazz are just clicking right now. Kind of feel bad for the Mavericks running into them when they did. Uh, first game back for Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, uh, and and Dwight Powell. And clearly those guys just weren't ready necessarily for, for big game action. Uh, but Rich, look, Rudy Gobert had an insane game. He had 29 points and 20 rebounds. How awful does your interior defense have to be for Rudy Gobert to put up 29, 29 and 20? Yeah, and you got Donovan Mitchell on Twitter tweet, uh, tweeting at him, we want 30. So if you're helping to repair that relationship, that's a great thing too. I, and, well, that's I cannot the thing. believe. They, they lost this game and Donovan Mitchell wasn't even out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, isn't Conley and Gobert number one and number two in, in plus minus for mm-hmm. the entire year? That's mm-hmm. First off, that's great to see because Mike Conley just was not himself for whatever reason a season ago, and he's been awesome this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, Utah, that's probably been, I'm, I mean, they, they've moved up into the upper echelon in the Western Conference for sure. Um, you know, good, good for them after that really tough loss in the playoffs last year. Well, it was kind of what we expected last year. Right? And I think that this should, yeah. that we should all temper our expectations. You know, the Harden to the to Brooklyn thing, obviously Mike Conley, even when things seem like they should be a seamless fit. It still is basketball, and it takes time to kind of learn your way. Mike Conley, Andrew, uh, you know, took on a brand new role last year, and I actually think that they swung the pendulum uh, the pendulum too far, getting him off the ball. This year, it seems like they found a nice balance, and I, I mean, everyone's benefiting from it, including Donovan Mitchell, who at some point, Andrew, we may have to start talking about as an MVP candidate. He's been very good. I mean, they've just played good team basketball. You've got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench is probably, I mean, I don't, we're not giving out awards yet, but if you have to start thinking about him as a sixth man of the year candidate, uh, he's been he's scoring like one. for them. Yeah, he is. And then you have like shooters all around. Like Bogdanovich is a great shooter. Joe Ingles is a great shooter. Mike Conley is a great shooter. 
Uh, and then you have Rudy Gobert. And I know we like to make fun of the screen assist. I know that's a thing that people like to do on podcasts is that you have the people that talk about screen assist and you have the people that make fun of screen assist act like they're not real. But like, you just watch the game and he really does affect the game as a screener. I mean, he t- occupies so much space and does such a good job for them uh, that, yeah, I mean, it's not... It's not often that you get 29 points from him, but he is affecting the game on the offensive end every single night. Well, uh, again, a busy night around the league, and we we try to hit as much as possible. Uh, That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to check out all the shows that we have on the Athletic Podcast Network. We've got the Athletic NBA show, which, of course, you probably already subscribed to. We've got No Dunks, and I know you subscribe to them. Uh, But we also have, like, the Athletic NFL show, the Athletic NHL show, and, you know, other stuff, like... The local shows from your favorite beat reporters. If you're not a member of The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Sign up. It's $3.99 a month. You know the drill. Thank you guys for waking up with us. It is honestly a lot of fun to be able to do this show and for you guys to start your day with us. Uh, Rich, do you know how we end the show here? I don't. (sighs) Andrew? Ding, ding. Oh, that's right. I've done that before. I just forgot. (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving all that in.